If you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We'll be looking there just a few moments. If you're using one of the, the pew Bibles in front of you, it's uh, page 688. So that song is the very kind of nature of, of what this series is about. It's expressing that we are yours. There's, it's all of us. It's all of us coming to have a relationship with Jesus, but realizing that we can't do it just simply by understanding him based on the knowledge that we have in our own minds. But it's in reading God's word. It's in, it's in having a daily practice of, of coming to know God more through his word that we grow in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Eugene Peterson reminds us that because we learned language so early in our lives, we have no memory of the process and would therefore imagine that it was us who took the initiative to learn how to speak. However, that is not the case. Language is spoken into us. We learn language only as we are spoken to. We are plunged at birth into a sea of language, if you will. Then slowly, syllable by syllable, we acquire the capacity to answer. Mama, Papa, yes, no, bottle, blanket. Not one of these words was a first word. Not one of these words was a first word. All speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke. In the years since Peterson wrote this, studies have actually been done that show that children's ability to understand and communicate is profoundly affected by the number of words and the breadth of the vocabulary to which they are exposed as infants and toddlers. We speak Here's the important thing. We speak only to the degree we are spoken to. We speak only to the degree that we are spoken to. You see, the same is true for your faith. You see, it's not that we pray first to God. You see, when we pray, we're literally praying in response to who God is. We're praying in response to the nature of God, believing that he is who he says he is. But we speak because he first spoke to us as he's called us to him. You see, when we read God's word, we're literally allowing God to speak into you. Much the same way that your parents or whoever raised you literally spoke words into your life. Because you don't just wake up one day and say, Dad, Mom, 
You, you don't just wake up one day and everything's just there. But it's slowly over time that your mind literally learns almost like a parrot to literally reiterate back to the person who's speaking to you. A good example of this is um, many of you may remember um, Allison Fancher, you know, Ian and Allison Fancher. Okay. Um, when they were here, they had a, a little girl that's literally like three days older, no, three days younger than Ariana, uh, Lila. If you were ever around Lila long enough, you realize there's something very extraordinary about this child. She can say words that I can't pronounce. And she, I mean, she's like four now. And I called, my nickname for her was Parrot. Because if you said something and it was new, she was trying it. She was trying to literally, but the thing was, she wasn't trying, she just said it. Well, when you take into consideration that her mom is a speech pathologist, like she helps people learn how to speak again. She, she now works in the school system, the Muncie school system, and teaching kids like how to pronunciate and learn like speech. And so when she talks, she overpronunciates all of her words. And so her child has literally, as she has, Allison has spoken into Lila, a speech pathologist, now she speaks so clearly. She says things I couldn't imagine a child that young saying. But it's literally because the words have been spoken into her life in that way, in that manner. So we should approach the word of God the same way. Allowing God to literally speak words of life into us. So we look at this Matthew 18 passage. You probably may have scanned it already and said, what in the world does this have anything to do with it? I'll tell you. So verse, chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So it starts with a question. He then called a little child to him and placed the child among them. So the child's right there in the middle, standing there with Jesus. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes, going on, but, and whoever welcomes one such as a child in my name welcomes me. A lot of times we read that passage... And our first inclination is, Jesus is asking us to act like a child. We would be wrong. Jesus is not asking us to act like a child. He's not speaking in the sense that we have an innocence or a humility or a receptiveness or a truthfulness um, you've been around a child, they're very blunt and honest. They're just going to tell you exactly how it is. He's not asking you to be literally become the nature of a child. 
what he's telling you is that we are to put ourselves in the position of a child. When we take on the status of a child, a child is dependent upon an adult for everything, for life, for direction, for food, for shelter. Everything about a child revolves around what the parent is able to give them. So what Jesus is literally saying is that you must become like a child and become dependent upon me. To become fully dependent on God. When we become dependent on God and his word, there are four things that I want us to look at. The first one this morning is the word will keep you prepared. The word will keep you prepared. It prepares us for the situations of life that we will face. It teaches us about how there is hope in the situations of life. It has prepared, literally has prepared Pastor Gary Hall for the situation that he's in right now. His relationship with Jesus Christ. The study that he has put into allowing God to pour into his life. Because he can trust in God in a way that he wouldn't have otherwise. Number two. The word will keep you fruitful. The word will keep you fruitful. In, in Joshua 1.8, it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You will literally see fruit because of what you gain through the wisdom, through the knowledge, through the life circumstances, in the situations of mentors. If we live in God's word and allow the Bible, allow God's word to speak into our lives. In John 15, 7. John, or, uh, John is, Jesus is talking about being the vine. That he's the vine and we are the branches. And, and that for the, the branches to bear fruit, they have to be connected to the vine. And, and in verse 7, he says this, this key phrase. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. If we remain in him and we learn from him, that it's at that point that we begin to see the fruit of what that looks like to be connected to God, be connected to Jesus Christ. Number three, the word enables you to recognize his voice. The word enables you to recognize his voice. How many of you as parents have been in a crowded room and your child has yelled mommy or daddy 
and you knew it was your kid. How many of you, why is that? Because no one has that voice except your child. You know that voice. Husbands, how many of you can get yelled at from across the room and don't even have to look and you know who your wife is? Yeah, because you know that voice. And she already knows that she doesn't even come in the room when she knows you're mad because, you know, that whole situation. But, but we know voices. We train our minds to automatically respond to these voices. Why? Because their life has significance to us. Their life has a meaning that really there are no other lives that have that type of meaning. But you see, the same is true for God. We learn to, to hear his voice in ways that we never heard before. I, I've been in grocery stores before. Walking up and down the aisles, you know, doing shopping and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, someone will come to my mind. And I'm learned that that's not just a coincidence. And so I've learned that that's, that's a God whisper to me. That's a stop what you're doing. Let people think you're staring at the bread for a few minutes. And Pray. And pray for that person. There have been times where, where I've told people, you know, yes, I'll pray for you. And then, you know, life happens. I forget about it. And then that person is the person I'm thinking about in the store. It's like God's telling you, Dustin, stop what you're doing and do what you said you were going to do because this person needs your prayer. Training yourself to hear God's whispers. Very rarely, 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 rarely does God raise his voice and yell. More than likely, never is he going to raise his voice to yell over you. But God just talks. A lot of times he whispers. Because when he whispers, what do you have to do in order to hear him? You have to be silent. You actually have to stop and train your mind and put your mind on what it is that he's bringing and, and just concentrate on that alone. And we're learning his voice. We're learning his nature of who he is. Number four, the word helps you make wise decisions. The word helps you make wise decisions. You make approximately 300 decisions every day. You make approximately 300 decisions every day. So if we even just took a tenth of those and said that those are life-changing decisions that you make, that's 30 decisions every single day of your life that are life-altering decisions. So now let's look at a few statistics on how we're influenced. Statistics say 
that by the time you graduate from high school, you will have watched more than 16,000 hours of TV. You will have spent more than 14,000 hours of education in some form of training institution of education. And if you go to church for just two hours a week, you have spent under 2,000 hours on your spiritual growth. So when it comes time to make a decision, you'll have spent eight times as much You'll have eight times as much TV and seven times as much world culture and education as you will have spent in church. That's just if you come on Sunday. Do you see the value? Do you see the importance of why your life, your relationship with Jesus Christ cannot be something that's simply limited to Sunday? Because you're literally saying and you're literally allowing the things that you watch on TV, the things that you learn in schools, to be your wisdom. To be the factors that you weigh when you go to make a decision. But remember the first Sunday, we said that the most influential relationship in a person's life is God. But yet it's the very relationship that we put the least amount of time into. Why? Why? It gives me a whole new perspective. When I read what God says to Jeremiah, he says, and if you extract the precious, from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. You see, because in all of life, we will have so many teachers, we'll have so many influences, but how much of that is really valuable? How much of that is precious? And how much of that is worthless? You see, The most precious thing you have is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most precious thing you have is is knowing God's word. Is making God's word a regular, everyday part of your life. to To grow in your faith and relationship. I want to read to you the significance of what it looks like to not be in America and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to hear the significance of God's word. Wayne Cordero, who actually wrote a book called The Divine Mentor, um, he's a pastor in Hawaii, Luckily, he's Hawaiian. Otherwise, I would say, you know, you're, you're really suffering for Jesus over there, aren't you? Uh, but he, he, he's Hawaiian, so he's a native, so I'll let him off the hook. But he tells a story about one of his um, 
teaching trips to China. His students consisted of 20 house church leaders who were actually farmers during the day um, who endured a a 13-hour train ride to come to this teaching time with Wayne. Um, It was at a a predetermined location. Um, They had to arrive alone um, so that they wouldn't arouse suspicion um, with the Chinese government. And the whole time, the three days that they were together, these men and women sat on wood floors and they had to sit with their legs crossed because the room was so small. And so 21 people in a small room sitting on the floor for three days learning about God. So listen to this story. He says, sometimes when you speak to a large group, you hope that 20 to 25% on a good day will actually absorb what you're saying. In this group, it it was every person in the room. The huge smiles on all their faces brightened their simple clothing. They were hungry and eager to hear from the narratives of the the narrators of the Bible. Their eagerness would extract the best from me. They were soaking in everything as though they would never be in such a meeting again, which was certainly a possibility. When, when they raised their hands in worship, I saw at least one man with scars from the shackles that had been his companions in prison. Shortly after we began to get us more acquainted, I asked them to say a little, a little bit about who they were. One reported with joy that he'd just been released from serving his fifth three-year term sentence in jail. His crime, faith in an unknown Messiah. How many others of you have spent uh, spent time in prison for your faith, I ask? 18 of the 20 raised their hands. If government authorities discovered this non-registered religious meeting, what would happen? They answered, each would have, each would be given a three-year prison sentence and we would, and we meaning him, would be deported within 24 hours. Aren't you afraid, I inquired. No, they said, with, quite com- with a quiet confidence. We're not afraid. And if you will teach us for another day, we will stay. I commended them for their faith, all the while wondering why they weren't teaching me instead the other way around. Since I knew that each of these veteran saints oversaw large numbers of house churches, I continued my let's get acquainted session by asking, how many people do you oversee in all the house churches combined? After a moment of quiet calculation, one spoke up, 22 million. I can't believe I'd heard what I had just heard. 22 million, I stammered. Yes, he nodded, 22 million. After a few moments, I caught my breath and launched into teaching. We'd brought 16 Bibles to pass out, leaving a, few, leaving a few of the leaders to share with one another. I had them turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. As we were about to read it out loud, one elderly woman handed her Bible to another leader. 
I thought this was a bit strange since Bibles were so scarce. But I didn't call it to t- call attention to the matter. After we began to read, I understand why she had willingly given up her Bible. She quoted the whole chapter from memory. During a short break, I asked her how she memorized so much scripture. I have much more memorized, she replied through one of her interpreters. But how did you memorize so much, I asked, when there are so few Bibles available? In prison, she said. Pushing back, I went on. But if you had a Bible, wouldn't they confiscate it right away? Yes, she answered. So people brought me scriptures written on pieces of paper. And what if the guards found you with those, I pressed. Wouldn't they take those away as well? Yes. That is why I memorized the scriptures as quickly as I could. You see, they can take away the paper but they cannot take away what I have already hidden in my heart. By the end of the two days, I had fallen in love with this part of God's family, realizing my own inadequacy to help them in their daunting task of reaching China. I asked them in our final session together, how can I pray for you? Pray that we will become like you, was their immediate request. One of the newfound friends continued, we do not have freedom of religion. We have only a few registered churches, and when the pews are filled, they turn the others away. But in your country, you can gather whenever you like. He concluded by saying again, pray that we can one day be like you. I shook my head sadly. I can't do that. I can't pray for you in that way. But why, they ask. With a sigh, I explained, you came here after riding 13 hours on a train. In America, if church is more than 30 minutes away, people won't go. It's too far. You have been sitting on a wooden floor without air conditioning for three days. Where I come from, if people can't sit on cushioned chairs and be in the comfort of air conditioning, they'll find better things to do. You don't have adequate Bibles, so you memorize scriptures from pieces of paper. In America, Christian homes, have, we have multiple Bibles per family, but we don't always read them. No, I said, I will not pray that you become like us. But I will pray that we become like you. There's so much in that. We have it made. And that's the very detriment to our faith. Why is it? Why is it? If, if you know the answer to this, please, like, let's go write a book together because we'll make millions. I, I mean, a huge tour, it'd be great. Why? 
is the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ growing leaps and bounds in the places where it's illegal, where they get thrown in prison, where they get killed for having a Bible, where they're killed for professing Jesus' name as Savior? Why is the church growing more there than here? Where we have the freedom to do it however we want. We literally have the freedom to carry this wherever we want. And I don't care what school systems say. I don't care what teachers say. If you carry this book with you to a school, they have no right to tell you you can't have it. Because this is the best educator. This is the best life that you will learn from. You won't find it on a TV. Sadly, you won't find it in too many schools. But I promise you, I, I hope there's a day where I can say, I told you so. I, I pray for that day. But I promise you, if we become a people of God's word, if we allow God to speak into our lives every single day, he will, transformation, he will transform your life in ways you never thought was possible. That dark cloud that everyone talks about being over Blackford County will be non-existent. You may think I'm crazy. I hope you do think I'm crazy because it is possible. Why do I say that? Because there's 20 house church leaders in China that are overseeing 22 million people. And that's just like the, the tip, not even the tip. Of the, I mean, that's just the beginning of the, the scope of the church in China. Because when they say they love Jesus, they're not kidding. It's not just a byword. It's not just something they say in passing. It's reality. Because when they say, I love Jesus, they're saying, I don't care what you guys do to me. Because it doesn't matter what you do to me. Because the most important thing to me, the thing that gives me value, the thing that in determines my success or my failure in life is one thing and one thing only. And that is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, anytime I get the chance to get my hands on the scripture, to have the Bible in my hands, I'm going to do everything in my ability to learn it, to absorb it, to make it part of my everyday life. One factor, I believe, of the downfall of the church in America is that we've relied on people like me to teach you about God. You see... I'm meant to be a spiritual leader, to lead you. I'm not to be everything spiritual to you. 
You see, you shouldn't rely on me. You should rely on you. You should rely on the person God has made you. Because who you are is found right here. Who God wants you to be, who God created you to be is right here. You see, because when we grow in our faith, when when we make God a regular part of our life, what happens is we begin to recognize him. We begin to understand him. When I think about how I prayed when I first became a Christian and how I pray now, there's a vast difference between the two. Because you see, when I first began to pray, I didn't know the possibilities of God's power. I didn't know the strength of who he was. I didn't understand the full nature of who God was. But now it's like the sky's the limit. My prayers are so much bolder because I believe that God is who he says he is and he can do the things he said he could do. Why do I believe that? Because I believe what he's written. I allow God's word to speak to me. Next week, we're going to talk about a way to hopefully even heighten the impact of reading God's word. And I'll tell you now, it's, it's journaling. And all the guys in the room just said, Ugh. he's going to talk about writing in a diary. No. I'm a man. I hate girly things. I'm right there with you. I made him take the flower wallpaper out of the men's bathroom. I got tired of looking at it. That's the kind of guy I am. But this is kind of different. This isn't just sitting in front of a journal and saying, you know, barf out your thoughts and your, you know, your deepest feelings and no one can read this precious. No, it's not what I'm talking about. It's literally taking God's word. And through your daily Bible reading, as you go through, something is going to jump out at you. God is going to speak to you in some way. Whatever that verse is, you write that down, and and then you, you write some observations about it. You write down how this applies to you. Because, I mean, if we just read this and it's just head knowledge and we don't actually apply it to ourselves, does it have the value that it should? No. So how do we apply this to ourselves and then write a prayer? It's called SOAP. I love it. SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. So we're going to talk more about that next week. But just because you're a man, I don't want a room full of women next week. Because I'm leaving if that's the case. Actually, I can't do that. But... um, But I, it, it'll be a challenge for you. And, and I'll, be, I'll admit, I've done it for the last two weeks. It, 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 it takes on a whole new meaning when you just go from reading something to saying, how do I fit in this story? How does God's word fit in me?
It'll revolutionize the way you look at God's word. So I challenge you to, to come back and join us again next week.